becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing those other songs, glimmer, glimmer of the ship being seen. Ready? <laughs> okay. Let's give me the roll signal. Here we go. The roll signal. You think things are gonna just go your way? Well, they're not gonna just go your way. You gotta make them go your way. You think things are gonna just happen for you? Well, they're not just gonna happen for you. You gotta make them happen. It's Monday. Go make things happen. We'll talk to you later. Out. <laughs> yes yes make things happen jocko we're out willing in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening everybody <laughs> it's great that you'd be here we got to get out of here because we got things to do got things to make happen uh, so that was jocko willink <laughs> starting this week off uh-huh. with a bang yeah. yeah um so we thought we'd start there <laughs> and talk about what, My, is, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and why do we feel so inspired by it? Well, it's, there's also the Goggins guy who's like, stay hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his voice in real life has the, 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 the mic peak distortion oh. like yours just did. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's more intense than me. I'm not really that intense. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that type of sort of like, quit your wine and get out there. There's no crying in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I watched that clip. Uh, Y'all can go look that up on Jocko Willink's Instagram. That's where we just played that from. And um, he's so dramatic. He's always like every every clip is he's like he's got to weigh three hundred pounds above just pure muscle. He's like an ex Navy SEAL, and and he's always doing this selfie video recording, but it's always black and white, like in the dark and he's sweating cause he just finished working out and like takes a picture of his sweat on the ground. And, um, but I love, I love that guy. Uh, he's been on Joe Rogan a number of times, mm-hmm. but I watched that like maybe five or six times Monday morning. Yeah. For something, some reason I just needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. Something about this idea of things aren't going to happen for you. You have to go make them happen. It's Monday let's go Yeah, get, get something done because you can get something done. Mm -hmm. You can make things happen. I just, that was so inspiring. And I was thinking about, um, podcast, a couple of, of, uh, I think it was episode 55. We did, uh, talked about thinking differently Mm. and you and I earlier tonight, were talking about mindsets and all this seemed to kind of come together into somewhere. Well, let's see where we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> there's a part too, is like, um, like I find some people very put off by that sort of, uh, way of, of, mm-hmm. of, 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 t- of taking on life because it is that sort of, don't be a whiner, mm-hmm. you know, man up, yeah, buckle up, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, woman up, quit being a bitch. Whatever, <laughs> you know? yeah, totally. yeah. And it's like, you know, it, well, I think we'll probably like, we'll probably circle, circle around to the different aspect of it because you do have like, there's times in life where you really do have things to deal with and you need to, um, like it's not a time to man up. It's a time to sort of like, uh, maybe just take it down a notch and just think about where you're at and not, maybe not, not have action, you know? Mm, yeah. But I don't, I think those are like more like, 
uh, I find that what he says in that to be more the case. Like I think more of the case is you, you do need to kind of like get out there and make things happen. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's a, 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 uh, that message is a lot more needed than. Well, I think the thing at, I'll try to scratch at what the itch that I'm feeling with it, mm-hmm. which is that the idea that things aren't going to happen for you, you have to go make them happen. Mm-hmm. I don't hear that as a message of quit whining, go, you know, take the world by the horns. Okay. It's not what I hear. I mean, I I think that maybe is an element of it, but it's something more to do with what we were talking about in the, in episode 55 with, um, this discovery of the the potential in the future. Hmm. Um, in that whatever it is that you're going to make happen, Mm -hmm. because you are going to make something happen, whether you are trying to or not. Um, it is increased in good when you when your own creativity voluntarily enters into that process. Mm. So things do happen to you, yeah. good and bad. Um, but when you creatively enter into sort of relationship with that potential of the future, AKA make things happen, you yeah. know, go make things happen. It's Monday. Yeah. Um, you creatively enter into the future and the probability that what you make happen is going to be good is much higher than the things that just sort of happen to you. Yeah. So whether it's a day to go, you know, take the bull by the horns and go take some risk or something or work out extra hard or whatever, or maybe it is a day to sort of take it more easy and take stock of where you are and take care of some things that have been neglected or, or whatever that is. Um, it, that's, I still see that as the same as going and making something happen, something that wouldn't have happened without your, your, um, creative engagement. Hmm. And, and I don't mean creative in the sense of like art, I mean, creative in the sense of generative. Yeah. You move into the future with an attitude, with a mindset of I'm going to make something happen. What you're doing is making something happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. That is creating something new that wasn't there or wouldn't have been there. Mm. And that's so inspiring. Yeah. I think what I took from that is like, oh yeah, I have a whole day in front of me. I can go make things, new things, whether that's like, you know, transforming a house by cleaning it up or, um, working on some project that I've been thinking about for a long time, or just sitting down and writing it down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all of that. I've just, I've had, I have this sense of this, it's discovering something new simply by engaging in it rather than just letting it lie dormant in the, the realm of what could be, or what could be if it would just happen for me or what could be if I had made a different decision in the past, if I had taken that opportunity, the one that I didn't, or if I hadn't taken that thing that I did. Yeah. Well, there's also an element that makes me think of like in business. um, I make a lot of plans, tons and tons of plans Mm -hmm. and almost none of them happened the way that I, uh, create them to be at the beginning. But the thing is, if I hadn't have made a plan, then I probably wouldn't have ended up where I was. A whole different set of things a whole would different, have happened. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, so I, I can see that they can be discouraging. It's like, well, I'm trying to make things happen, but it never turns out the way that I want them to be. 
And I, I think there's something in the creative aspect of making mm. a plan, putting it into action with the, with the understanding. It's like, I don't know what's going to actually come from this. And I might have to shift and most likely will have to shift. But if you don't make the plan to begin with, then you don't have anything to work with or to project mm-hmm. into the future. <clears throat> um, so I, I find that, find that over the years being less and less discouraging yeah. when I make a plan, it's more <clears throat> like, all right, I'm gonna make a plan. Let's see what actually happens. You know, that's kind of well, more of my <clears throat> perspective though. So, so maybe this does kind of dovetail into the, the use of the word creative as more of an artistic thing, mm. because I don't think that any artist, so I'm a songwriter. Um, I have never set out, to with a plan for a song I wanted to write mm. and then written the song and been like, yep, perfect. <laughs> exactly how I planned it. Uh-huh. It's like, no, I, I think if I, don't, I can't imagine any artist ever saying that they have had a creative experience that worked that way. Yeah. It's more of a process of discovery mm. and that's why it's so oh. engaging. Yeah. It's like you, you say, I want to write a song about a breakup, mm-hmm. you know, and you sit down and you write the song and all of a sudden it's not clear if you're writing the song or the song is writing you and you're changing and it's changing. And all of a sudden it, it emerges as a thing in the real world, tangible that you can listen to and play on a guitar and sing. And you're like, what is this new? It's like a new mm. baby. It's like, what is this? Yeah. You know, I made this, it's questionable, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a process of discovery just as much as it is a, a process of creative, uh, making of something. Hmm. Um, but to your point, it's like, you'll never, uh, you know, if you, if you're a, a singer songwriter and you play guitar, it's like, you're never going to write a song if you don't pick up the guitar. Hmm. It's like, if you don't make a plan to pick up the guitar, then the song never comes. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a painter and you don't make a plan to buy a canvas and paint, well, the painting will never come. Yeah. So you have, there's like a minimum, um, it's like a threshold, a threshold to to entry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, you got to pay to play. Oh yeah. The thing is the cost to pay to play, to buy in is so low. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's true. And maybe that's what's inspiring about Jaco too, is that, um, I, I keep saying Jocko. I think it's more Jocko. I don't know. Yeah, I think Jocko. <clears throat> I say Jocko. I don't know if it's if that's correct. Um, they they actually uh, the Unity uh, Project. I think had him on there. Oh yeah, as a candidate. As a candidate uh-huh. to run for president. Yeah, <laughs> I, really like I think I actually idea. voted for him. Did you? I, I did uh, Tulsi Gabbard and uh, uh, Dan Crenshaw. That was my two. No, I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would did, totally. I did like. I, it. I, I would totally take Jocko for president. <laughs> I would too. Um, Yeah. So, so you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm going to go make things happen. It's like, that's almost the equivalent of saying, where's my guitar? Mm-hmm. Where, where's my paint and my brushes? Yeah. You know, there's potential ahead. I was, I was actually talking to my son about this. My son's a teenager and, um, you know, in typical teenage fashion, like, he refuses to wake up in the morning, (laughs) you know, and he's, he's starting to like have responsibility in his life and a lot more freedom. And we were having this conversation about like, how do you take that on and how do you engage that and, and start to improve the places where you want to improve. And I was like, the, the first thing to do is to be awake for it. Mm. Like you got to get up and engage it. Yeah. Otherwise nothing's ever going to change. And I know it's hard and it sucks and sleeping's great. 
but if you don't wake up, then you can't start. Yeah. It's like, you know, and maybe that's enough mm-hmm. to just wake up and say, I'm here. Yeah. What, what's available? What's possible? What, what needs fixing? What problems are there? So if you guys want some motivation, go to uh, Akira the Dawn on uh, Spotify. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's some great stuff. He's got uh, Alan Watts, which is more philosophical, some Jocko uh, Peterson. Well, explain what he does. Uh, so he, he basically takes uh, takes someone's speaking. Well, it could be a, a lecture or motivational what, a pod, speech yeah, or a podcast. A podcast yeah. And then he'll mix it to some. Uh, what, it could be lo-fi. It could be. Uh, you know, some sort of electronic music, and it's really great. It so is really good. There's one with Jocko. He's like, "Discipline equals freedom." <laughs> <laughs> it's great. But then it's it's just like discipline equals freedom. There's something about that, like having the discipline to wake up and just get out of bed and start something. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, and it's hard because I feel like, uh, like we, uh, uh, <clears throat> well, here, here's how I experience it: is I started doing jumping jacks probably about two months ago. I think I mentioned this podcast, but, um, I couldn't do 10 like, uh, old, uh, uh dog uh, Goggins could, but, mm-hmm. but I did five. And then some days I don't feel like it. I was like, well, at least I'll do two. And so I yeah. get up and I just do two minutes. But I found that once I even did two minutes, I was like, Oh, I'll go ahead and do five. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's uh, sometimes we try to put these so insurmountable not, goals. Not two jumping jacks, two yeah. minutes of jumping jacks. Oh, two, okay. <laughs> yes, two right. minutes. Of I was at first, I was like, you couldn't do two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Minutes. Yes. Um, okay. <clears throat> but, but yeah, insurmountable talks about that too. Is like, you know, pick something that you would do. Yeah. Yeah. That you could, that, that you, you could, that you would. Yeah. That yeah. you could, that you would do. I think that's, I think it's such a great, mm-hmm. it's doesn't make it insurmountable. Like I can't do a hundred pushups. Mm-hmm. Sorry guys. I'm not that buff. You can't see me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I could do 10. He hangs out at coffee shops all day. How could <laughs> yeah, he be? Exactly. And read books. <laughs> um, yeah. You said something earlier about don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is another one of these. Well, sort of like your analysis of that sort of mo- Jocko's motivational speaking style being a bit of like, don't be such a whiny baby. You know, there's this, <clears throat> um, this feeling when you hear uh, a sort of catchphrase where it loses some of its value. Mm-hmm. But I think that that really is true. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah. And it's not just about perfectionism. It's, it's about your perception of that. Mm. And I love the way Peterson says it, as you said, that um, do, if you're starting out on something, pick a task that you can do that you will do. Yeah. And that sets the bar so low, like mm-hmm. so low that your first, your first reaction to that is like ashamed. <laughs> totally. You know, <laughs> I'll only do two minutes of jumping. Right. Jacks. <laughs> but if you can't honestly confront yeah. that, like for you to do anything, it has to be something you can do and it has mm-hmm. to be something you will do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's minimum barrier to entry. Right. Mm-hmm. And if your if your formulation of that, of the answer to that is making you feel ashamed. Yeah then, okay, you're on to something. Because now you got to confront yourself and say, why am I insufficient to mm-hmm. do this thing that just seems so small? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you discover that you're not. Yeah. And now you've learned something about yourself and now you're stronger and more powerful. And you move forward. And the next thing that you can do that you will do is bigger. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and how many times do you honest, do you have to play that game honestly with yourself and look at your reflection in the mirror and feel that shame and push through it until all of a sudden the thing that you can do that you will do is like monumentally beneficial to you and the people around you. And you know, it just made me think about that. Uh, so I've been playing around with speed reading lately and, um, this one guy talks about it. It's it's more about comprehension than uh, speed reading. It's like spe- like comprehending more, not uh, reading more. Um, but the thing he mentioned was is is as you're reading, it's sort of like a race car, like F1 driver. It's like on the straightaways, you can just fly. But when you come to the corner, you kind of have to slow down and take the corner, and then you can hit the gas again. And it kind of reminds me of this kind of what you were talking about is sort of like. There are times when we're on the straightaway, it's just like, we're just pedal to the metal. And then there's other times where we kind of come to a corner, we kind of need to slow down and take the corner and then mm. we can hit again. Yeah. And I find that sometimes it can be discouraging to people whenever you kind of come to that corner, you kind of need to slow down a little bit. You're like, oh, I'm not going as fast as I used to. It's like, yeah, but you know, just keep... But there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that, you know? And so... Um, I love that when it comes to reading because I, I, I sometimes will fault myself when I'm reading, Mm. if I notice that I'm slowing down and having to go back. Yeah. And maybe it's like, well, maybe you've hit a corner. And the reason for that is that you've come across something you're reading that's meaningful or Mm -hmm. profound or is is worth repeating, Mm -hmm. worth slowing down and really considering. So maybe it's a benefit Mm -hmm. rather than a, a hindrance. Totally. And there's, I mean, that's also, then that kind of becomes skill too, because the better you can recognize those times to slow down, it's like the faster you can start making those corners too, because you're able to then gauge it like mm. so much more perfect. Like those F1 drivers just are phenomenal. Like the way they understand their car, their engines, tires. I mean, it was slippery. We're coming around, around uh, corner three. It's like they could, they could just, they could feel like yeah. almost like if a pebble, they ran over a pebble. Totally. And Did you ever see the documentary called Cinna? Yes. Oh, oh so my good. gosh. Yeah. It's been, I need to rewatch it. It's been years. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it. It's like, oh my gosh. I but he was one of those guys, uh-huh. this driver um, who died tragically mm-hmm. in driving Formula One. But he was like the best. Yeah. And he completely excelled in the rain. Mm-hmm. Like when it rained, he just smoked <laughs> everybody. Because uh-huh. he understood his car. He understood the track. He yeah. knew it. He knew exactly when to to break how fast he could push it through the turns and very inspiring. Kind of reminds me of that book, uh, flow state, you know, it's like, I when you, read that. Oh, it's like this, it's like when you hit this optimal place where everything is just, you're in step, you know, like, like you've been this the last couple of weeks with that project you've been working on. You yeah. know, it's like, you can, you just almost lose yourself and, um, but it takes time and it takes work and, <clears throat> there's a certain discipline to it too. But, uh, but when you find yourself in that flow state, uh, where it's like, it's at the optimal place between order and chaos mm. where there's a little bit of both happening at the same time. So it's like you're out of control yet. You're, you're completely in control. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's like a razor's edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like when you're in one of those flow states, you also <laughs> have to have, well, I think, this is what consciousness does for us. It's like, Mm. it's like the, the, the perch of the observer, Mm -hmm. even in the flow state, when you're, you're most, um, like, uh, it's the word I'm searching for, like immersed Mm -hmm. into something, 
you still have some part of you that is observing you do that. (laughs) Uh And you have to listen to that guy Mm -hmm. or that gal Mm -hmm. um, because they're giving you some valuable information. Because if you are in a flow state, you are on some sort of razor's edge, like you said, between order and chaos, which means that you could fall quickly into one or the other. Mm. And that can be dangerous. And I was, I was thinking about that in terms of, um, as you mentioned, I'm working on a new project and Mm -hmm. it's been really, um, uh, it's been really good. I've been really excited and incredibly motivated. Um, can't put it down, can't stop. And it's been the first time in a while I felt this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was remembering the last time that I felt this way and it, it turned out badly. <laughs> How so? <laughs> well, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually say it turned out badly, but I, w- I wish it would have turned out differently. Mm. It's easy for me to see it as a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't exactly think that it was, but I think that now that I'm in it now, the, the, the observer in me is now saying, okay, remember last time you, you burned yourself out. Mm-hmm. You stayed up till 3am too many nights in a row. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you ignored too many important things in your life to work on this. And other things fell apart irreparably mm-hmm. and they fell apart to such an extent that you couldn't keep doing what you were doing and mm. it all, and that, you know, screwed you. Yeah. <clears throat> so now there's this observer that's like reminding me, okay, yeah, you're in a flow state, but you also got to retain some structure in your life. Mm. You've also, it's like, you gotta, you gotta respect it too and be willing to say, I'm going to be in flow state until this time. Yeah because I know that I need to save this many hours at the end of the day to make sure that this rest of my, you know, infrastructure doesn't fall apart. Um, yeah. So it's like, you need, you got to keep your relationship with that, with that observer intact, Mm -hmm. no matter how immersed you become in a project. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was saying earlier, it's like, that's kind of like a, a a maturity kind of thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, cause when you're young, it's like, you can kind of just, you kind of are a little bit more reckless. Uh, right. You know, you even see on the F1 driver stuff, you know, it's like, there's a certain, cause you think you're invincible uh-huh. until you're not, until you're, until you're not. And then that's like, sometimes that's when drivers can't ever come back from that when they find that they're not invincible. Right. But the ones who have already experienced that, you know, they've fallen off that edge on many occasions. It's like, there's a wisdom that comes with that. Yeah. Cause when you're on the edge, it doesn't really feel like you're on the edge. Mm-hmm. It feels euphoric. Mm-hmm. You're in that flow state. You feel like you're capable of anything. Yeah. I don't need food. I don't need sleep. It's like, <laughs> I'm a, I am a machine of <laughs> pure creativity. <laughs> totally. Uh, At some point you're going to wake up and whether that's you, you know, hit a wall going 190 uh-huh. or, you know, you haven't slept for days, right? Or your body falls apart. <laughs> your kids are like, Hey, feed me. <laughs> right. Um, but there is an issue. Like there's like, it's, it's, it's good to have those responsibilities that do, uh, whether it be friends, spouse, kids, yeah. um, they kind of keep you anchored, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like good relationships, uh, understand understand that dynamic too as far as like allowing somebody to have the freedom to explore and maybe go beyond what they normally would you know but also the wisdom to like say hey you know it's like what's 
come back. Our kids are pretty much, you know, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're kind of like, uh, keep us grounded, you know, for, for the most part and things. But, um, you know, I think and like Alsa in our marriage, you know, over the years, like, I think when I'd get lost in ideas and stuff like that, she'd be like, ah, come back. <laughs> and now she's like a lot more like, okay, Michael needs to kind of like, explore this for a period of time <laughs> like she lets you go further yeah exactly yeah, into that uh-huh so but i've also learned to listen and to know when to draw back mm. so I've, i have a little bit more a little bit more self-control in that area yeah <laughs> well i mean maybe that's why the discipline equals freedom thing oh, makes right. so much sense because the more discipline you gain over knowing when it's time to pull back mm-hmm the more you can explore the further reaches of where you want to go. Yeah. Because if you don't know when to pull back, then you just burn out and you can't go back into the, the, um, you know, the waters of that. Yeah. So if you have discipline around when you do it, then you get to do it more and you get to do go further. Mm -hmm. So, well, I was going to say it's maybe a paradox, but I don't even think that it is. It just makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's, there's a certain amount of training involved, you know, it's like, so you have your natural athletes that are just, they're just naturally good at something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have someone who is like Michael Jordan, who is a natural athlete, but discipline as hell. Like yeah. that dude just worked. Uh, it was, I mean, he's, he's phenomenal as far as his work ethic. So you put those things together, like natural athlete plus the discipline. Um, unstoppable. Unstoppable. That was so that uh <clears throat> documentary series uh the, the last dance mm-hmm. about him and the sh- more broadly the chicago bulls in the 90s yeah um <clears throat> blew my my mind yeah because jordan is like largely considered to be the one of the best athletes in any sport yeah. ever but in high school and college mm-hmm. he wasn't the best like he wasn't even getting much attention yeah it wasn't till college when he decided, okay, I'm going to be the best. And mm-hmm. he took it seriously. Yeah. Like dead seriously and worked harder than anyone else mm-hmm. and became better than anyone who's ever lived. Yeah. And I thought that's so inspiring because it wasn't just, he wasn't just a phenom, a natural talent. He was an incredibly athletic guy who had the will to make himself who he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like he had a Goggins style will, you know, <laughs> totally. I'm going to run two twenty four, <clears throat> which miles. just makes me think like, what am I capable of if I simply believe it and will myself to be it? Mm-hmm. Well, it, so, um, there, there's a part of this that, that seems very one dimensional. Um, because I, I, when I, I like to think of it as, is like, I don't want to be a one dimensional person. Like, a basketball player, right. you know, I think there's, there's, I've, I've seen this in business and I read a lot of biographies and these really successful business people, amazing, disciplined, dedicated, um, you know, maybe even some of our, but, um, you know, movie stars or athletes kind of fall it, but the rest of their life falls apart around them and it can be money. Money can be another aspect of that that kind of gets in there and tears things apart you know yeah i mean that that seems anecdotally true mm-hmm. like most of the <clears throat> ceos or even like 
sort of most famous celebrities, mm-hmm. they all have, you know, a couple marriages under their belt. Yeah. So what is that? I mean, I, I, so there, there does seem like there's a danger <clears throat> in that, like a uh, one dimensional focus or maybe that, that one dimension it's too narrow. You can be one dimensional, but it's, it's a broader, a well, broader mindset. It's interesting. I think uh, uh, when we had my friend, David Ramirez on the podcast a mm. couple of years ago, he actually talked about this, oh, yeah, yeah. about how he put himself and his music first above every relationship in his life. And mm-hmm. he saw how, he was losing relationships and decided to change that. And I, I mean, I think it, and this isn't about him, but to some degree, if you're going to be the best at something, you have to be willing to put that ahead of everything else Mm -hmm. because how else could you, how else could something be the best if it, isn't willing to make that sacrifice because mm-hmm. someone else is willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. It's so hard. I, I want to disagree with that, but <clears throat> I, I don't know how to disagree with that. I, are you saying it's like, you don't want it to be true, yeah. but you feel like it is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the simple thought experiment I think would be if you and I <clears throat> are both trying to, well, let's just say start a new coffee shop mm-hmm. and I work at it 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, a decent amount. But then, you know, the rest of the hours of the week I take to take care of my family and my kids and my, you know, girlfriend and, and mm-hmm. dog and house, you know, and do some projects around the house or whatever. Um, but you get singularly focused and you put in a hundred hours a week. Mm-hmm you're going to accomplish so much more. I can't even compete with you. Now I'm probably going to have a more satisfactory life personally, (laughs) because I'm going to have a house that I enjoy living in. That's full of people that enjoy being around me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have a girlfriend and children and a dog that isn't shitting everywhere. And you know, you're probably (laughs) not going to have those things, Mm -hmm. Um, but you're going to have the best, the better coffee shop. I, I mean, maybe I just for, don't know maybe how to, for a time. I, I, I just seems like there's, there's a, there's a burnout aspect to it. It's like, it's like I see when someone starts a business, they can probably for the first year to three years run full board, full out. But I see that the crashes and mm-hmm. people who start businesses, usually it's after year one, but <clears throat> you can usually sustain it to about three years and then mm-hmm. it becomes unsustainable. Yeah, but then you got people that will do stuff, crazy stuff like polyphasic sleep patterns in order to get over that <laughs> so they can go for longer, harder. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> these are real people. And this is how yeah. you end up with like an alien looking dude like Mark Zuckerberg testifying mm-hmm. in front of Congress. Cause like that dude doesn't live a normal life. You can see it on his face. Yeah. Like he doesn't even know how to get his hair cut properly. <laughs> you know, he lives in a computer. Uh huh. So, uh, you know, people true. are willing to go to extremely great lengths yeah. to not burn out. So maybe you burn out in three mm-hmm. years, but the next guy starts sleeping two hours a time every four hours mm. and he doesn't burn out for five years. And now he wins that game. Yeah. You know, so m- maybe it's not that 
maybe the lesson here to learn isn't that uh, we, that the rule can't be true mm-hmm. <clears throat> or the observation can't be true. Yeah. Maybe it's <clears throat> that the observation is wrong. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, that success requires a sacrifice of everything else. Maybe we're just measuring success wrong, you know, because it's like, do you really want to be Mark Zuckerberg? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, maybe I want to be rich, but just like, I don't even want to look at myself in the mirror. If I'm Mark Zuckerberg, it freaks me out. So I want to be Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. (laughs) He's off on a ranch somewhere. Right. So he's taking care of, Uh he's living a sad, like a full, a fulfilled life and nothing against Zuckerberg. Like, I don't know how happy he is or whatever, but, um, painting a larger picture here. It's like maybe success isn't being the best at something. Maybe the success is being really good at something and also really good at some other things that make your life worth living and full. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, what the combination of those things is, is unique to you. And this is why people end up doing all kinds of different things. And some people are happy being, you know, workaholic CEOs and yeah. and that's fine. And other people you know, don't want to work at all and want to stay home and take care of the kids. And that's Mm -hmm. fine too. Yeah. So maybe it's that we're, we're thinking too singularly about what success is and being wooed by the sirens of that, you know, the siren song of uh, the, the, the picture you see on the stock market or the, Mm -hmm. the Instagram screen or whatever. I think you're, I think you're very accurate in that. I guess it's just always bothered me that, no, I mean, I, I do. I, I find that, I find that that's, that's true. I mean, I mean, I think it's totally acceptable to say if that's what being the best takes, I don't want it mm-hmm. or not, maybe not that best. Like yeah. I want to be a different type of best right. and, and that's not the, that's not the best that I see for me. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it's like, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my business. I love being an entrepreneur. I like doing podcasts. It's like, yeah, and I want to do all those really well yeah, and keep pushing those things. Right. Totally. I, I don't know if I want to be the best at one of those things. Right. I would take, <clears throat> yeah, doing each of them really well. Mm-hmm. That would make me really happy. Yeah. And to just keep getting better and better at and it. To keep getting better. And, yeah. to, and, and to afford myself the opportunity to continue to be able to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's probably something that, you know, just talking about mindset is knowing what you want and not, uh, not, not giving into an idea that either you've been told or you think you want. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something that's really valuable. Like I know that for me, um, you know, Allison and my kids are, are, are really important to me. And then you know, then I have a business and some other things that I do too, you know? And so knowing, knowing what you value and being able to, um, put those things in some sort of, uh, hierarchy or, or, or a value system that helps you do that. Yeah. Cause I also find that I find that the, also the, the more restrictions I have, the more creative I have to be too. Mm-hmm. And so I almost find restrictions, well, I don't mean my kids have a lot of restrictions. <laughs> I mean, well, they but, certainly are. Well, they are in a sense, but I, I guess there's a, there's a, there, there could be a negative or perception on that. You know, it's like, but, um, 
but I find it to be very more and more as I get older to be more and more motivating and, uh, uh, Actually, it's and healthy for me <laughs> to have those kind of governors, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's a principle that I think is super fascinating, which is that you, you can't be creative at all without restrictions. Hmm. I mean, there's no creativity possible without restriction. Yeah. Explain that a little bit. Maybe. Well, <clears throat> I mean, so like maybe for the, the moment just rooted in the arts. So you want to make a painting. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you going to paint? It's an immediate restriction. Mm-hmm. You can't paint everything. Yeah. So you got to choose something. You're what, now, you're now restricted. What medium are you using? Oil? Me- yep. Pastel? Mm-hmm. Maybe a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it, is it going to be a three by five? Is it going to be a, a mural on the side of a building? Is mm-hmm. it, you know, the second you set out to, to create anything, the very first thing you do is define the parameters of your restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes unwanted restrictions change that process of creative discovery mm-hmm. in a way that's surprising to you and delightful to you. Mm-hmm. And you experience that as being more creative. Mm. Yeah. I like that. I, I find that with when we do all of our different coffee shops, I love like understanding the space and mm-hmm. what all needs to go in there. There's so many restrictions and then you have to get creative outside of that. There's all right. this stuff you have to jam underneath the counters and in these spaces. And, and, uh, uh, and then you're like, okay, well, where do you put this? Well, let's put this over here. Okay. Now we got to switch it all around. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of fun, but then you also find things that you would never have thought about because of those restrictions and right. it, it causes you right. to be creative and something new comes out. Again, it comes back to the discipline equals freedom. It's there's yeah. a certain part of that discipline actually allows you more freedom, and um, the restrictions of that discipline actually opens up new avenues for you too. Well, it just <clears throat> occurs to me how boring would life be if it weren't that way. Hmm. If it was that, I said, you know, or you say, I'm going to open up a coffee shop. This is exactly what it's going to be like. This is exactly how it's going to look. This Mm -hmm. is exactly how everything's going to work to the plan. Yeah. I can't think of anything more boring Then, then at that point. What you just, then it just happens and you watch it happen. And are you pleased? You know, I I don't know. Well, I mean, mean, that would be the case if you had like, you just built from the ground up, you know, like a whole new build. Which I've never done. Well, maybe more so, but yeah, more but so. even like you know that yeah, totally. Yeah. You build something. Nothing ever goes to plan. <laughs> totally. You know, nothing ever gets done on time. Uh-huh. There's always unforeseen problems. Yeah. If yeah. it just worked perfectly from concept to completion, I just feel like it would be boring. Yeah. It's you know it's the it's the it's the restrictions and the unforeseen it's, it's the flow state. It's, mm-hmm. it's the, the order and the chaos in combination that makes life meaningful. Mm. You know, without that, if it's complete order, there isn't really much meaning because it's all known ahead of time. Well, let me throw this out, out to you. <clears throat> so what is it that there, what is it that, what are the things that, that get in the way of that, of the, of the discipline or the creating structures, um, 
the whole idea of like get your son getting up in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, like, what is it about us that has, that puts these restrictions? Why, why do we even, why do we even have things that keep us from moving forward or being creative? Like, what is that, that is the muse not singing? Is that what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think often we're unwilling <clears throat> to let go of our, preconceived plan Hmm. you know you get attached to things and then things start going a bit differently and you think no this is unfair it's not going right it's not worth doing you know what i'm Hmm. giving up i'm not going to do this um what is that what is that i mean because there's that when you said like this isn't fair like that that kind of like i that kind of struck like a, right. a, a bell in me. Like, right. What, what's not fair? <laughs> We're, yeah. You're dealing with something net new. Uh-huh. How could it be unfair yeah. in some sense? Like this is every day is some is, is net new and not mm-hmm. in terms of never been done before, but you are creating, it's like you're adding to history. This is a new day in history. Mm-hmm. This is adding to the pile. So, if it's brand new, how could it be unfair? Well, I was also thinking just like, I mean, you know, like, Oh, my boss is this way. He's keeping me from doing this. It's just unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't have a million dollars, so I can't do this thing. It's unfair. You know, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Why do we respond to things that way? Because I, it's like my, my mind just thought some of the most respected people in all of history were treated the most unfairly. Uh huh. That's all. So Victor Frankl, Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr. Jr., Um, you know, why do we, Mm -hmm. it seems like you would want that. Yeah. You know, but clearly we don't. Mm -hmm. Um, what's that? Something we talked about in so many of our episodes prior to this is how much, like how much, good comes from suffering. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've kind of hit the topic of suffering that it's like, you almost can't achieve anything unless you suffer in some, in some form or fashion. But the ones who I feel like have overcome weren't blaming people or saying something wasn't unfair. Mm-hmm. They just saw a different future and they, they pushed into that different f- future, pushed through the suffering into mm-hmm. that different future. Yeah. And that might be too simplistic, obviously, but yeah, well, you know, maybe part of it is that that takes maturity. Mm -hmm. It takes maturity to say, I'm willing to suffer. Yeah. In, in order to move through it into what I believe is after it Mm -hmm. and to continue believing that through continued suffering. You know, and, and I think the part of us that says, I don't want to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start on this thing that I really think could be good. Um, I don't want to deal with that thing that I haven't been dealing with. Mm. Like that's an immature part of us. That's a childish part of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, why is it the children are so obsessed with it not being fair? Yeah. They're obsessed with it. And why is it that we grow them out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, or at least <laughs> I think we should grow them out of that. I, I think the culture is 
starting to slip very rapidly into a situation where it being fair is the paramount value. Oh, interesting. I mean, this is what equity equity is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the hidden cost of that, you know, and I, and I think that there's a lot of, um, this this is a a very good reason to focus on that. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a hidden cost, I think, which is that if you deprive anyone of suffering what is unfair in their life, it's like you also deprive them of, of an opportunity to mature. Oh, and overcome. And overcome. Mm-hmm. And if you deprive someone of that opportunity, you also deprive them of whatever incredible things they are capable of doing or dreaming mm-hmm. or contributing to society to becoming who they could possibly become. I mean, <laughs> well, I see this all the time with my kids. This is unfair. And sometimes I'll say, all right, you know, cause I'm just, I'm fed up. I'm tired, whatever. All right. I'm going to make it fair. I make it fair. Mm-hmm. No one's happy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, I used to have less. Now I have a little bit more and I feel bad about it. And the next mm-hmm. one's like, I used to have more. Now I have a little bit less and I feel bad about it. And everybody's just like, it's like some of the enjoyment of whatever we were doing has worn off. Yeah. But I feel like if I say, you know what? Yeah. Right. No, it's, it's unfair. Um, that's kind of the way life is. And if you feel unhappy about it, let's talk about what to do about it. You feel like you didn't get enough. Why don't you talk to your brother? Hmm. You know, let's, is he willing to give you some? And he says, no. (laughs) And then she feels bad. And, Uh you know, now we have this whole unexpected series of events and the kids are learning about themselves. And maybe, you know, one of them says, Hey, I'm going to give you some of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to give you more of mine than is fair mm-hmm. because I can see how affected you are by that or whatever happens. And everybody feels a lot better about it. Yeah. And, and the, the, the result is not fairness. Mm-hmm. The result is relationship. Oh yeah. The result is maturity mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I've, I've found that I've been telling my kids more like, you know, life is not fair, right? It's hard. And then I think you and I have experienced that business-wise a lot. It's just that, you know, it's 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 not fair. You're going to get your key, your teeth kicked in. and But the thing is, is the things I value the most have been through all my mistakes, yeah. the things that have been hard. It's like, those are the stories I tell people, you know? It's not the, the time that I did something that was, <laughs> you know, oh, this was great. It was so easy. Uh, it might be like, I might say like, oh man, this was so easy compared to Guadalupe to 2013. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's, uh, that's, those are, those end up being my reference points or the things that have been the hardest, you mm-hmm. know? And if we, if we don't allow ourselves, oh, that's those a great things, point. Like how will you know when something's good if you don't uh, have something to measure it by? Mm-hmm. And if every, if everything is the same <clears throat> all the time, yeah, whether that's, you and I have the exact same thing. It's fair between us. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's true across civilization, let's say, well, let's just, let's just say across a family unit, yeah. if things are completely fair all the time, how do you know how to value anything? Mm-hmm. Nothing really has any value at that point Mm-mm. because value is relative. Yeah. There's really not any way around that. Well, it makes, it makes me come back to like the, something that 
I, I deeply believe I, I don't think you can understand or, or experience goodness if you don't understand the complete opposite like depravity and mm-hmm. um, the more that you have that grasp of the spectrum of goodness and depravity um, I think you can have a deeper understanding of what is good and I think that if you are to expand one, the other necessarily mm-hmm. has to expand as well. Totally. Yeah. It's like to be completely evil, you really have to understand what you're taking from somebody yeah. and how that affects them into the, the, the great, to, the great, the, the greater degree that you can do that is the Joker. Mm. You know, like he understands what goodness is and he wants to take all of it away. Mm-hmm. And it's the same the opposite is the same. <clears throat> totally. You can't be r- truly good mm-hmm. unless you are truly, unless you truly understand the depths of, of how capable you are, mm-hmm. how capable you, how capable you are <laughs> of the depths of depravity. Uh-huh. Well, I think you even see that in the, in the, uh, uh, Jesus and Satan in the, in the desert. It's like you, you have that sort of, um, dichotomy of, of goodness and depravity and like the devil's offering him the depravity and Jesus is saying, you know, look at the goodness, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, you shall worship the Lord, your God and no other God. And, and, you know, it's like, there's a sort of like, you see this sort of, this sort of, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? This, this interaction between what is good and what is evil. And, uh, maybe I'm not going too far on that one. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the point that it, I would assume you're making is that they both know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jesus doesn't have to take the devil's offering because he already knows it. Mm-hmm. And the devil won't take Jesus because he already knows it. Mm-hmm. And neither want the other. Mm-hmm. I guess Victor Frankl is also a great example of that. They've just experiencing what, what depravity really is as far as like <clears throat> just completely losing everything. Yeah. And absolutely almost having nothing except for maybe your next breath. Yeah. Like when I read his book, uh, man's search for meaning, it's like, you can almost boil it down to that. It's like, I have my next breath. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to do with that? I'm going to breathe it. Mm hmm. And then the next one, you know? Yeah. We both, uh, along with some other people read that book this summer. Mm. I think it was one of the most impactful books I've ever read. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of my top three that would recommend people Mm -hmm. that and T.S. Eliot, (laughs) the four quartets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mindset. Yeah. How do you choose to see things? Because mm-hmm. I think that you can choose to see things like you can wake up in the morning and choose to see the restrictions as such as they are. They are unfair. Mm-hmm. They are unequally distributed even to you in your own life, not even compared to other people mm-hmm. um, to the way that they were yesterday. Mm. Um, you can choose to believe that you don't have time or strength or willpower options enough resources enough. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> what was the thing you said earlier about um something like if if you if you believe that you never have enough then you never will yeah or if you act like you never have enough then you never will mm-hmm. i think that was before the podcast it was but. before the podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it just strikes me as really true um because what ends up being true in 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 terms of what ends up being real mm-hmm. is a consequence of your attitude towards the world in, in some very real sense, mm-hmm. which is something I'm still trying to like be, make a convincing argument for, because I think that sort of idea, at least for me, used to live a little bit more in the, the woo woo <laughs> world, uh, but I'm convinced that it is, it is necessarily in, to like a, at a fundamental, almost like atomic level mm-hmm. real, the way that you um, orient yourself towards the world and your attitude toward it defines what it becomes. Mm-hmm. This is some, one of the weird things about consciousness. Mm-hmm. So if you say all of those things that we said earlier, that I just said, um, then the, that will be the case, you know, except for very few rare exceptions, you know, with somebody with a, what we define as a bad attitude, mm-hmm. you know, just like lands in luck after luck after luck. But I guarantee you that person's going to squander all of them mm-hmm. because he doesn't have the attitude to to make anything of it. It reminds me of Ian McGocrest, the whole we've talked about a lot of what you give attention to. Like, yeah, like there's such a, a such a value in that if you're always giving attention to what you don't have or how somebody has wronged you, it's like that's all you're going to see. It's all you're going to see. You know, it's like if every if everybody's a white supremacist or, you know, a gangster or whatever it might be, you know, uh, put your labels on whatever you want to put your labels on. And that's all you see. I mean, that's kind of all you're going to get too. Mm-hmm. you know, I think that's I think that's why there's such a value value in seeing that each person is, is something unique and special about them. Yeah. And if you're if you're willing to find that treasure in each person, I think the world is again, open to well, something yeah. magical almost. And also that each individual is at least half potential. Mm-hmm. It isn't as if we're all quantified individuals who can be known. Mm-hmm. And that's just who we are moving around through the world. Yeah. No, like we're at least half potential. Mm-hmm. So everyone you interact with. Oh Yeah. And the way that you interact with them is going to somehow bring about some of that potential into reality. And which part of that potential is that is your interaction with them going to bring? Mm-hmm. This is why attention matters. Totally. How do I attend to you? Mm-hmm. Where do I put my attention? Part of that defines who you become within the interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you're suspicious of somebody, you know, you're going to interact with them in a suspicious way and they're going to feel that mm-hmm. and I'll, and then be like, okay, I don't understand exactly what's happening here. Right. Well, and this isn't just cause and effect. Mm-hmm. This isn't just like I'm feeling something. So I'm reacting this way. Cause this is how I react when I feel this way. Yeah. It, it isn't that it's, it's pulling something out of the potential of my future into reality mm-hmm. and, and making me who I am as it happens. Yeah. Because who we are isn't done yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I know you, <clears throat> but 
the story that would be written about you after you die mm. contains like eight, uh, <laughs> I was trying to get the number right, like hopefully 50 or 60 years mm -hmm. worth of development. So who you are at the end of your life, I don't know that man 93, yet. 93, all right. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. So I don't know that man yet. Uh-huh, totally. Isn't that crazy? But I get to uh -huh. know you as you become that man, mm -hmm. as you, as the potential of who you will be becomes a reality on a day-to-day -day basis. And how I choose to attend to you and where I put my attention and how we talk and my posture towards you mm -hmm. defines part of that. Well, you even think about us 10 years it's like ago, one of the restrictions. Yeah. 10 or plus years ago. It's like, you know, we were doing this, but that relationship has, you know, we have this sort of inquisitiveness that we allow each other. Mm -hmm. And I feel like both of us are just sort of like fed off of that sort of inquisitiveness. And it's like, there's nothing that you can say that's wrong. You know, I'll question you about it, mm -hmm. but it's like, but the, but the relationship is that sort of like, we want, I, we just want to know what you got something. All right. Tell me. Yeah. I don't think so. Well, why, how, who, uh, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. and there's a, a, but the thing is, is we were, we, uh, I was just thinking like how we approach each other has always been sort of like this inquisitiveness. And it's not just about whether we're right or wrong. It's about what's going on here. <laughs> what is this? You know, it's like, yeah, it's because, bigger than us. Cause like, we're living uh -huh. through this creative process of mm -hmm. getting up in the morning and creatively engaging with the world it, and creativity, as we said, is discovery. Mm -hmm. So we're discovering together. It's like, we're, we're picking up these foreign <laughs> objects of ideas and experiences. Uh -huh. And what are they? We don't know. Yeah. Like I need you to look at this. What do you see here? <laughs> totally. And I think the, the word that came to my mind when you were like in our relationship is allowance. Mm. Like you're allowed yeah. to say what you see. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to be wrong. You're allowed to be right. You're allowed to be curious. You're allowed to like not know what the hell you're talking about and, and spin <laughs> off into, you know, like tangents for 10 minutes until uh -huh. some, till finally I figure out what you're, <laughs> I recognize something and I'm like, Oh, I got something from that. And you know, it's like, we're, we're yeah. honing the discovery of life together. And, mm -hmm. That's priceless. Totally. And I, well, I just feel like we can all have more of a posture mm -hmm. toward everything in our life. Like we, like you're a blessing to me because we get to do that together. Mm -hmm. But I think we could also adopt an attitude toward every task and every day and every mm -hmm. person we come across that says, at least I'm starting with the presumption that this is possible totally. to have this kind of relationship. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not, mm -hmm. and often it won't be, um, you know, and often you run up against the wall, you know, in, in real life in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the thing is the, is, is to always open, always have that. I think which is how you said that posture towards any endeavor or person of that possibility of discovery, you know? Um, and I think that's probably also allows, allows other people to maybe come out of their shell in whatever, whatever way they can. But I think the more that we do posture ourselves in a way of, of like, Hey, who are you? What do you have to offer? You know? And it's not like, you know, monetary or whatever. It's like, it's like, it's like there is something uniquely special about each person. And, um, 
and you might not be a, a basketball star like Michael Jordan, but there, I think there is something, I even think like my second cousin, Matt, uh, who has a, a down syndrome and there was something about it. We were, we were going for a walk. This is like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And, uh, he was just sitting there singing and then his mother kind of told us like what he was singing. And I was just like, there was something just like life giving, hmm. even though like the communication between us wasn't like really great, but I felt like I kind of got to know him, even though it wasn't like a, a, a verbal, like how you and I would discuss things, you know, mm-hmm. or I've told a story about uh, one of my friends, Adam, <clears throat> like I kind of had a, a judgment about him, you know, and I went sailing with him, and I saw a, an intelligence that was something I had never known before. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this intuitiveness about sailing and wind and, uh, he pulled off this maneuver that was just phenomenal. And I, I, it's, it's just interesting. If we don't have that openness to discovery, it's like, I feel like I've seen so many of those parts in my life where I, I luckily was surprised and woken up hmm. from not being open to that, you know, posturing myself towards yeah. that willingly. Mm, um, willingly, yes. Mm-hmm. So I think the the being more willing to posture myself in that way is I think is really huge because I love the discoveries when I find myself I'd like kind of write somebody off and then they're like oh wow <laughs> you surprised me you're an interesting human being yeah, yeah. <laughs> which everyone is <laughs> yeah I think it's a great place to wrap it up yeah mindset I'm gonna be thinking about that mm-hmm. and about making things happen. Yeah. Who knows what they will be? Yeah, we won't. They might delight me or they might (laughs) disappoint me, but at least it won't be boring. It won't be boring. Well, I think that's, I think it's also good to be disappointed. Yeah. And I think that's something to almost welcome in a sense, you know, if it's sad, gives you perspective, mm -hmm. cry. Yeah. I mean, like let it disappoint you be honest with it. But that's not all it is. It's like there's discovery in that too. Yeah. You. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I feel like we should like Amen. end with, cheers. End with, end with a, a Jocko like quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't cheers. We could do that. Oh, yeah. There you go. Cheers. Thanks cheers. for coming to the shores, everybody. <laughs> for sure. We'll see you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.